Hello, and welcome to Whatever Wednesday with Burkhart Books, the podcast. I'm your host, Diane Burkhart. I hope you'll subscribe and join me every Wednesday for, well, <laughs> whatever. Let's get on with our show today. Today is February 16th, 2022. Welcome to another episode with me, Diane Burkhart. I'm getting off to a bit of a late start today because there is major construction being done on our building right now. I had to wait for the workmen to leave before I could record anything. No amount of editing was going to get rid of the backhoe clanging right outside my office window. It was impressive how loud it actually was. (laughs) I hope you're all having a wonderful week. And to my friends and family back in Kansas, I hope you can get out today before the next winter storm hits to stock up on essentials so you can stay inside where it's warm after the storm actually hits. Weird as it may seem to some people, I really miss the snow. The last big snowstorm I saw was the day before our wedding in 2013. That day, Kansas actually had the worst snowstorm in about a decade, the day right before our wedding. We had people coming in from South America, from Colorado, from Florida, from Oklahoma, and they all got to do it in the worst snowstorm in years. (laughs) They will never know exactly how much I appreciated all of them making that trip. While all that snow did make travel tough for many of the people coming to our wedding, it made for some beautiful wedding photos. I mean, seriously, they are just amazing with all of that fresh snow on the ground. You always have to look for the silver lining and things like that. One thing we will always look forward to with a good snow day was making snow ice cream. If you have never done this, you really need to try it at least once. It's a very simple recipe too. You just need a good deep snow so that you're sure that you're getting the cleanest snow possible. And Always be sure to avoid any yellow snow. I don't care what your older siblings tell you, it is not lemon flavored. I have heard from some people say that it's best to even do it the second snow of the year, or the third or the fourth, but whatever, don't use the first. I guess there's something about it being able to pull the dirt and things out of the air in the second snow, you get a better clean snow drift or something like that. All I know is that we loved doing this when I was little. That was the one thing whenever we got a snow day and got to stay home from school, we had to make snow ice cream. Now, there are two recipes that I know of for this. Both of them are so simple. One recipe uses milk and sugar, which is the recipe I grew up with. One I found recently, though, instead uses a can of sweetened condensed milk. I'm really wanting to try this one. To start, you need about 10 cups of fresh, clean white snow, (laughs) one can of sweetened condensed milk, and a teaspoon or more of vanilla extract. I mean, the recipe calls for just one teaspoon of vanilla extract, but if you're like me, things like vanilla and garlic are things you measure with your heart, not with the measuring spoon. And that's not always what the recipe calls for. For me, I find it easiest to mix the vanilla in the milk first and then pour it over the snow and mix all of it together until the condensed milk is fully incorporated into the snow. You can always put this in the freezer at this point and save it for later, but ours never made it to the freezer. It was always gone as soon as it was ready. 
Now the other variation, the one I grew up with, uses milk and sugar. Mix together two cups of milk, one tablespoon vanilla extract, or however much your heart tells you to put in there, and one cup of sugar. Now stir this all together to let the sugar dissolve. When the milk mixture is ready, just pour it over your bowl of snow and combine. All that's left to do is enjoy it. And you can always have a little fun with it, you know, throw in some chocolate chips or some strawberries, maybe even add a little whipped cream. The possibilities are endless. Now, of course, you can always make some different variations on this too. If you want to make it vegan, use something like almond milk or oat milk. And if it's the sugar you want to avoid, maybe try making fruit slushies instead. If you have fruit juice in the house, just pour that over your snow and mix it up. If you have fresh fruit, stick that in a blender with a little water and make your own fruit puree to pour over the snow. You can get really creative with this. And right now we have a spoiler alert. So if you do not like to know anything about a book before you read it, I just have a few sentences I want to share about my work in progress into the West family ties. So cover your ears for about, I don't know, a minute. Just count to 10 and we should be good. Or make it 30. So here they are. I've been thinking about putting snow ice cream in this next book. At one point in this story, several families are celebrating Christmas, and this would be such a great treat for the families out west to have. I mean, they're living where there's no ice cream shops and there's no refrigeration. So what better than to have them do something like this as a holiday treat? Okay, spoilers are over. Now, last week, I told you about National Hootie Hoo Day, which is coming up this Sunday. So if you feel like it, you can run outside, throw your hands in the air, and yell, Hootie Hoo! to celebrate this national day. <laughs> but did you know that Sunday is also National Love Your Pet Day? Now, if you follow my social media at all, you know I love my Russian rescue dog, Shaggy. We just celebrated our sixth gotcha day with him on Valentine's Day. He is still and will always be the best Valentine's gift our family will ever have. He was sitting in here with me for a little while while I was working on this until my husband started moving around in the apartment. Shaggy had to go check out what he was doing and is probably trying to supervise him right now. <laughs> for our family, Shaggy is so important. When we first moved here to Germany, I spoke about three words of German. I could say ja, nein, and schnell, which basically just means yes, no, and fast. <laughs> You can imagine that was not very helpful in the beginning. Plus, at that time, my husband had a job where he had to go on the road quite often. Usually there were weeks at a time that I was here by myself and sometimes longer. As you can imagine, it was a very stressful time for me being here alone so often in a country where I didn't speak the language. And it was especially stressful for me when you consider my unique neurological conditions that I have to deal with. To help me manage my stress, my husband found Shaggy for me. That night, when the volunteer from the rescue agency brought him to our house, she sat the carrier down and I sat down on the floor across from him. She opened the door and he came straight out and crawled right into my lap with no coaxing at all. It melted my heart instantly. He has been my little shadow ever since. For all the love he gives me every day, I will always look for national days for pets or dogs to celebrate with him. Though, 
I have to admit, it's like I'm not allowed to buy shaggy toys anymore. <laughs> At least until some of the old ones start to wear out and we have to throw them away. I, I can't get too upset with my husband about imposing this rule because Shaggy already has more toys than I think I did as a child. <laughs> so since we can't celebrate Love Your Pet Day with new toys, he will be getting his usual liver cake. I make this for all of his celebrations, and it is so simple to make. I boil chicken livers and I mix in chopped potatoes, carrots, and a little spinach, and sometimes I'll add rice or a little pasta. When it's done, I put it all in a food processor to blend it smooth and then add oats until I get a paste that I can form into patties. And the great thing is these things freeze so well. So one batch can take care of celebrations for an entire year. Now I would love for all of you to share some of your stories and photos of you with your pets. What do you do to show them love? Do you cook for them? Buy them toys? Take them with you everywhere? I can't wait to hear from you. But right now, I think it would be a good time to continue on with the reading from part one of the Into the West saga serial, Into the West, The Orphan Train. I hope you enjoy this. Into the West, The Orphan Train by Stephen Burkhart, continuing with chapter one. Mrs. Kelly smiled while she listened to Elizabeth say grace. It was the same prayer they taught the children in the foundling home. She wondered where they could have learned it. Perhaps one or... Both of her parents had spent time in a Catholic founding home. Elizabeth ate the bread and half of her apple and cheese. When Mrs. Kelly wasn't looking, she put the other halves in her pocket. If she had a chance, she would give them to Connor. He had fallen asleep without dinner. She knew he was hungry, too. When Elizabeth finished, Mrs. Kelly took her up the girl's staircase to the dormitory floor. There were several rooms on one side of the hall. Each room had two bunk beds and four small cabinets. Elizabeth could see girls in each room. Some girls came to the doorway to look at Elizabeth as she and Mrs. Kelly went past, while others ignored them. Mrs. Kelly took Elizabeth to room seven. The room looked like all the others she had seen in the hallway. It was neat and clean, and there were three girls already in the room. The room was rather plain. The walls were painted a light gray, and the furniture was all natural wood. There were no decorations, except for a single cross on the wall. The bed linens were all white. When they walked into the room, the girls stopped what they were doing and turned toward Mrs. Kelly. The girls all wore similar brown dresses with tiny flowers in the print, and each wore a little white apron over their dress. Their shoes were all plain brown with no buckles, but seemed fairly new and in good condition. The girls looked at Mrs. Kelly as they curtsied and said in unison, Good evening, Mrs. Kelly. Very well done, girls. Good evening to all of you. This is Elizabeth McBride. Mrs. Kelly looked down at Elizabeth and smiled as she added, However, she prefers to go by Lizzie. Mrs. Kelly looked back toward Elizabeth's roommates and said, Now, girls, please introduce yourselves to Elizabeth. The tallest girl stepped forward first. She was blonde and thin and looked a little older than the other girls. She curtsied and then clasped her hands together in front of her as she spoke. I am Sonia Busby. I am pleased to make your acquaintance. Sonia made another deep curtsy as she spoke the last word, then stood straight again with her hands clasped in front of her. The next girl stepped up and did the same as Sonia. She was a little shorter than the first girl and slightly chubby. Her hair was ash blonde and fell straight past her shoulders. 
Her name was Michelle Anderson. The last girl to step up seemed a bit shy. She didn't stand quite as straight as the other girls. She was thin and looked to be as tall as Elizabeth. She had dark hair with a hint of red to it. It was thick and straight and fell forward over her face like she was trying to use it as a curtain to hide behind. She didn't look straight at Elizabeth as she spoke, but instead looked just to the side of her. Her name was Carrie Adams. Very well done, girls, praised Mrs. Kelly. She looked down at Elizabeth and added, Now it's your turn to say hello to the girls. Mrs. Kelly let go of Elizabeth's hand and gently pushed her to stand in front of the other girls. Elizabeth looked at the floor and quietly said, Hello. Sonia and Michelle looked at each other and giggled in response. Mrs. Kelly shushed them. Now, girls, Lizzie is new. We must teach her how to behave like a proper young lady, said Mrs. Kelly. Then she added, And I expect all of you to help her. In unison, the girl said, Yes, yes Mrs. Mrs. Kelly. Kelly. Mrs. Kelly leaned down beside Elizabeth and whispered to her, Do you remember what I told you downstairs? You need to look people in the eyes and speak clearly if you want to be heard. Elizabeth nodded her head yes. Mrs. Kelly smiled and said, It also helps if you actually use your voice. Elizabeth nodded her head again and said, Yes, Mrs. Kelly. Good. Now let's give it another try then, shall we? asked Mrs. Kelly. Elizabeth stood up straight and looked at the girls and clearly said, Hello. This is much better, Lizzie, Mrs. Kelly smiled. Now curtsy and say your full name. Elizabeth made a somewhat awkward curtsy, then spoke. I'm Elizabeth McBride, and I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. Mrs. Kelly could tell Elizabeth would learn quickly. That was a good thing. Most of the girls had been living in the founding home for some time, and most had completed their training. Elizabeth would have to learn quickly if she was going to be ready to join them for a chance at placement this coming Friday. It would be tough to manage, but not impossible. Mrs. Kelly was determined to make it happen. She knew the sooner a child was placed in a stable home, the better their chances of successfully settling into a new family. With the current founding problem in New York City, it was getting harder and harder to find adequate placement homes in town. The home had been preparing to make another trip into the Western Territories on their mission to find suitable Christian homes for the foundlings in their charge. The next trip was scheduled to leave this coming Friday. That did not leave Mrs. Kelly much time to prepare her new charges. If Elizabeth and Connor were not ready in time, it would be another six months to a year before the home was ready to make another trip westward. It would be extremely hard on the children to have to wait that long to be placed in a home. Mrs. Kelly put her hands on Elizabeth's shoulders and gave her a gentle squeeze. That was very good, Lizzie. However, next time I want you to curtsy first, then say your name, and then curtsy again as you say, acquaintance. Can you remember to do that? asked Mrs. Kelly. Elizabeth looked up at her and quietly replied, Yes, ma'am. Mrs. Kelly looked around at the girls in the room and said, I would like for Lizzie and her younger brother Connor to join us on the train this Friday if we can get them ready in time. I trust you will all help her with her studies. Once again, the girls all replied in unison. Yes, Mrs. Kelly. Mrs. Kelly thanked the girls for doing such a good job welcoming Elizabeth, then told them they should go about their business while she helped Elizabeth settle in. As the girls went back to what they had been doing, 
Mrs. Kelly showed Elizabeth which bunk she would sleep in and which cabinet would be for her clothes. Mrs. Kelly told her there was a room downstairs with clothes that had been donated for the children in the home. Tomorrow, after breakfast, they would pick out new clothes for her and Connor. Elizabeth looked at her bed. She had never slept in a bed alone before, and she didn't like the idea now. She suddenly felt very alone as she thought about Connor and her mother. Tears started slowly sliding down her face again. Elizabeth wanted to go home, even if home was a drafty tent in shantytown with no bed and no food, at least Mama was there, and she could curl up between Mama and Connor where she always felt safe and loved. Mrs. Kelly saw the tears on Elizabeth's face. She sat down on the bed and took Elizabeth's hands in hers and patted them as she said, There, there. Comforting the children in times like this never came easy to Mrs. Kelly. While she had always longed to be a mother, God had never blessed her with them. Growing up an only child, she never had first-hand experience with children until she came to work for the foundling home. Elizabeth took a deep breath and looked Mrs. Kelly in the eyes as she said quietly, I want my mama. This part of her job always filled Mrs. Kelly with deep regret. It was so much easier for the children who were orphans. They had nowhere else to go. At least in the foundling home, they were safe and had food and shelter. But for children like Elizabeth and Connor, who still had at least one living parent, the heartbreak, confusion, and feelings of abandonment were always so much worse. What could she possibly do or say to make those feelings go away? Mrs. Kelly patted Elizabeth's hands again and said, There, there. Elizabeth dried her eyes, looked at Mrs. Kelly, and asked, May I please see Connor, ma'am? Elizabeth had asked so sweetly. Mrs. Kelly wanted to say yes, but she knew it would only make it harder for both of them to get used to the situation. She wanted to spare them any heartbreak she could. Connor is already asleep for the night, Lizzie, but I promise you will see him in the morning. Mrs. Kelly patted Elizabeth's hands again then stood up. Mrs. Kelly looked around the room as she said, Well now, it's almost time for bed, girls. She walked to the door and turned back to face the girls as she added, Now, I expect everyone to make Elizabeth feel welcome. I will see you all in the morning. Good night, girls. The girls all said good night to Mrs. Kelly as she left. Elizabeth sat on her bed and tried not to cry again. Sonia and Michelle weren't paying any attention to Elizabeth. They were sitting on Sonia's bed on the other side of the room, talking and looking at ribbons. Carrie, however, was standing in the corner by the door, staring intently at her. She had her arms crossed over her chest, her head was slightly down, and her gaze was fixed on Elizabeth. Elizabeth returned the girl's stare. She looked to be about Elizabeth's age. Her dark hair was hiding half of her face, so Elizabeth could only clearly see one dark eye staring at her. Elizabeth gave the girl a weak smile, but Carrie didn't smile back. As Carrie continued to stare at Elizabeth, she began to slowly walk across the room. Carrie came over and sat down on the bed next to Elizabeth without ever smiling or looking away from her. After sitting for a few moments in silence, Carrie quietly said, Hi. Elizabeth said hi back, and the connection seemed to be broken. Carrie finally looked away to stare at the floor as the girl sat in silence for several minutes. Finally, Carrie took a deep breath and leaned over toward Elizabeth. She kept her gaze on the floor as she said, It can be scary here. But most of the people are nice. 
Carrie leaned in closer and whispered, Except for Sonia. She likes to be mean. Elizabeth looked across the room at Sonia. The girl must have felt them looking at her, because just then she turned to look at Elizabeth. Elizabeth quickly looked away. Elizabeth couldn't stop thinking about Connor. She turned back to Carrie and said, I need to go check on Connor. Can you help me? Who's Connor? asked Carrie. He's my little brother. Sister Mary Agnes took him earlier and I don't know where he is, answered Elizabeth. Carrie looked shocked and shook her head no. You can't go to the boys' side, she whispered. You'll get in trouble. But I need to make sure he's okay, said Elizabeth. She reached into her pocket and pulled out the apple and cheese she had saved for Connor and held it out to show Carrie. I need to give him this. He fell asleep before Mrs. Kelly took me to the kitchen and gave me food. I know he's hungry. Carrie covered the food with her hands and pushed it back towards Elizabeth. She looked at the other girls in the room to make sure no one had seen Elizabeth holding the food out to show her. Put that away, whispered Carrie in a harsh voice. You'll get in horrible trouble for taking food out of the dining areas. We're not allowed to have food in the rooms. Elizabeth put the food back in her pocket and folded her hands in her lap. She didn't like it here. As tears started to roll down her face, she looked up at Carrie and quietly said, I want my mama. Carrie put her arm around her new friend and said, I know. The two girls sat there like that for quite a while. Eventually, Sonia noticed them. Well, look, little Carrie has finally made a friend. While Sonia spoke, Elizabeth noticed a slight accent. She sounded a little like Mrs. Fox, who lived in the shanty town near them. Mrs. Fox said she was from Yorkshire, but Elizabeth didn't know where that was and had never asked. Sonia walked over to Elizabeth, smiled slyly at her, and said, You know, I might be willing to let you be my friend, Lizzie, but if you are my friend, you can't be friends with her. Sonia jutted out her chin in Carrie's direction. Elizabeth looked from Carrie to Sonia. Carrie looked at her longingly but said nothing. Sonia's smile grew as she let her gaze slide over Carrie. She was obviously enjoying the girl's discomfort. Elizabeth looked Sonia in the eyes and asked, Why? Sonia looked a little startled. Why what? she demanded. Why can't I be friends with both of you? Sonia huffed, obviously disgusted at the thought. <laughs> because I said so, she stated as she put her hands on her hips defiantly. I don't like her, so my friends don't like her either. Again, Elizabeth looked back and forth between the girls. Carrie dropped her head down and was looking intently at her lap. She looked like she was just waiting for Elizabeth to reject her and take Sonia's offer. She seemed so sad. Elizabeth knew just how she felt. After a few moments, she turned to Sonia and said, No, thank you. What? shouted Sonia. I said, No, thank you, repeated Elizabeth quietly. If I have to choose, I'd rather be friends with Carrie. You are a stupid girl, yelled Sonia. No one else is going to be friends with you if I tell them not to talk to you. Sonia leaned in close to Elizabeth's face and in a quiet voice added, So what do you think about that? Elizabeth looked at Carrie again, who was sitting quietly beside her, staring at her hands in her lap. She seemed to be trying very hard not to be noticed. Elizabeth made up her mind and looked back at Sonia and said just one word. 
Okay. Then she gave the girl a slight smile. Sonia could not believe anyone would reject her like this. How could this girl choose to be friends with Carrie instead of her? Sonia had been able to bully all of the other girls into shunning Carrie, and she didn't like it when someone wouldn't do what she told them to do. Sonia was furious and started to pull her hand back to slap Elizabeth when a bell began to ring in the hallway. Sister Mary Catherine was walking down the hall ringing the bell to signal it was time for the girls to get ready for bed. Sonia dropped her hand and pointed her finger at Elizabeth instead, getting very close to Elizabeth's face as she said, You are going to be very sorry, Dizzy Lizzie. As Sister Mary Catherine passed the door, she saw Sonia pointing her finger at Elizabeth. The sister stepped up to the doorway and asked, Is everything all right here, girls? Sonia, you know it's not polite to point. Sonia turned to the sister with a sweet smile on her face and curtsied to the sister as she spoke. Yes, sister, I know, but I was just trying to show Lizzie where she had something hanging out of her nose. It was very unappealing to see and not ladylike at all. I'm sorry I pointed at it, sister, but I was only trying to be helpful. Sonia clasped her hands behind her back as she began to sway a little while she smiled at the sister. Elizabeth found it disturbing how quickly Sonia could go from being extremely angry one minute to acting calm and sweet the next. Something about it just didn't seem right. The sister smiled at Sonia and said, Well, that was very nice of you, Sonia. The sister then looked at Elizabeth and asked, Do you need a handkerchief? No, thank you, sister. I have one. Elizabeth pulled her handkerchief out of her sleeve, enough to show the sister she had one. All right, then. It's time to get ready for bed, girls. The girls all said, Yes, "Yes, sister, sister, in unison. Sister Mary Catherine smiled at them all and then continued on down the hall, ringing her bell. When the sister was well down the hall, Sonia slowly turned back toward Elizabeth. She looked down at her dress and began running her hands over the front of her apron, smoothing out the material in a deliberate, ordered manner. In a sweet sing-song voice, Sonia spoke. You're just lucky I didn't get in trouble because of you, Dizzy Lizzie. Sonia stopped fussing with her dress and clasped her hands in front of her as she gave Elizabeth an unsettling smile. Elizabeth sat on her bed looking back at Sonia. After about a minute, Elizabeth smiled slightly. Sonia frowned at her. Why are you smiling, Dizzy Lizzie? Sonia asked. Elizabeth smiled a little wider and said, I kind of like that nickname, Dizzy Lizzie. It's cute. Sonia let out a huff and went back to where Michelle was. Sonia whispered something in the girl's ear as she glared at Elizabeth. Then both girls laughed. Elizabeth looked over at Carrie, who was still focused on her hands in her lap. Without looking up, very quietly, Carrie said, Thank you. Elizabeth smiled slightly as she reached out and took hold of her friend's hands. You're welcome, Carrie. Carrie finally raised her tear-filled eyes to meet Elizabeth's as she smiled. I guess we should get ready for bed, said Elizabeth. Carrie nodded her head yes as she dried her eyes. She got up and helped her new friend get ready for bed. And this completes chapter one. I hope you'll come back for the next podcast when we'll start chapter two. I hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday and I hope you have a fantastic Love Your Pet Day this Sunday with your furry family members. Thanks for listening. (music) Thank you.